0: This is Kari Gale,
1: and this is Tony Kriz.
0: Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah. On this fine Monday morning. The Everybody, that's out. Kari
1: Gale, and I'm Tony Kriz, and welcome, <laughs> oh community, oh pil- oh oh pil- oh community of lost pilgrims, welcome.
0: Sounded so um, um. Formal, a little formal. Welcome, yeah, yeah a little formal.
1: I'm. I'm. That's okay I'm, though. I'm drinking Russian roll Grey. Which, oh, nice. Which you gave me. That was a gift. Thank you. It's delicious. I'm
0: so glad you've been enjoying it. I'm drinking my standard. Okay. <laughs>
1: Possibly. rooibos Roibus.
0: I did it. I said it right. That's
1: right. Okay. It's only Good.
0: taken me months and months.
1: Roy bus.
0: Roy bus. Yeah. Two words. Like a guy on a bus. That's how I think Name of it. Name Roy. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> okay. So uh did you so did you survive snow apocalypse here in Portland?
0: I did. Actually, I we were we were really lucky. We only had power out at Scott's place for about an hour and an hour, excuse me, a day and a half. And so, Good. yeah. And we had a gas stove and all the things you need to make food. And so we were, we were fine. And, um, there was a mini Mart just a little ways away with all sorts of goodies and wine. So we were set.
1: <laughs> so if it was so easy, why, why did we cancel our uh, last podcast?
0: Well, we had no power <laughs> so no one could get on the internet. So that was a problem. Oh,
1: okay yeah Yeah, that uh, that
0: little thing because you and i like to record in the moment like right up to the very edge we're not we're not these people that record months ahead of time and put them in the can and then send it out months later we We don't even own a can we don't own a can we don't have a can we like to be current so we were so current we were planning to record Right. The day before and uh, the pod would release and that did not happen.
1: Well, it's hard to believe that there was a foot of snow a week and a half oh, ago. Because right now it looks crazy. like spring. I mean, I, I spent three hours on the boat yesterday in a t-shirt.
0: It's so, so lovely. It, it feels like it's a completely different season now than it was last week.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, we got, um, we got a, great things planned for the next few months. I do super excited, some really interesting guests coming on, and um obviously, just trying to continue this conversation about being an everyday pilgrim, and how do we do that? how do we foster it? and well, I'm feeling the need as much as ever right now as the as the isolation and the quarantine is continuing to take its toll, so I'm looking forward to it. I need the encouragement,
0: yeah, I do too. I mean. Honestly, we do this for each other uh, as much as we love our community, we need this too. We we need to totally. have this encouragement and um have these conversations so that we can keep our energy, our motivation, and uh, our momentum going. So we're we're definitely along, we're, we're 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 definitely not separate from the community. We are part of the community, we're just leading the conversation. So totally. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to chat just a little bit about was that? Patreon.
1: That's right, Patreon. Because we've had Patreon yeah. for a few months now, and I don't know if many people have noticed it. Well, what, what are your thoughts?
0: Um, I think that uh, it's it's kind of – we we wanted to be subtle. We didn't want to throw it in people's faces. Uh, we wanted to invite those of our community who wanted to maybe um, – Invest a little bit in in what we do and um, what, what is walk Patreon? along. What is Patreon? Well, Patreon is a, a way of supporting us. It's a, a a subscription that you basically choose the amount that you want every month to support us. So it could be a dollar, it could be five dollars, could be ten dollars. If it could be incredibly generous. It could be a $1000. We do we don't want to limit you. <laughs> no limitations there. But it really is uh just kind of partnering with us in creating this content that we hope you find valuable and invite you into that process. And so um we have links on our website, we have links on our Instagram profile. Um
1: we're about a year and a we- half into into providing, you know, ad-free content hopefully nurturing community experiences, blogs and podcasts. And if, if you'd like just to be a part of helping us continue to do this, because um, it, it certainly isn't free for us to produce all this content, not to mention time and energy. And we, but we want to continue, because what, uh, what should we get into today?
0: Well, I think that we should, I think we should circle back. Uh, I've been thinking so much about John's um, wonderful pod that we were John with
1: Huckins.
0: Yes. Of the global immersion project. And um, I've actually listened to that pod back several times because awesome. there was so much good content in it. And uh, this idea of peacemaking and um, even though, well, I say even though, but the 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 tension of the election has subsided maybe a tad uh i don't really feel like the general overall um divisiveness that we have felt as a country i think it's pretty much the same we have someone new in the white house but we don't there's not this there hasn't been a collective sigh i think people have been feeling tension um, about a lot of things, and you know, whether it's vaccines or whether it's, um, you know, the differences between how various people are being in quarantine or, um, or politics. There's a lot of things going on in the world, uh, you know, social justice issues where folks are really on different sides of a, of a conversation. And it's hard to figure out ways to engage with folks who think differently. And so John brought a lot of great things to the conversation. And then you yep. did, you summarized it really lovely in your blog, the following the blog, following the pod. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about that because I, I know that you specifically you wrote a whole book about, uh, kind of engaging with the other. And if, for those of you folks that don't know this, um, Tony's books called neighbors and wise men, and it was published, I believe, is it 2012? Is yeah, I don't
1: know. Yeah. That sounds good. 12 13. Yeah.
0: Right around there. It it was 2012 because it was the year that I got divorced. So, I'm pretty sure that that's 12. Okay. I remember correctly. Right around there. <laughs> we'll just say right around there. Um and so, it's really your journey of engaging yeah. engaging with the other. And so, you know, before we kind of go into this idea of peacemaking, maybe just give folks a little bit of background on that book and why you wrote it. I'm oh, wow. curious to hear yeah,
1: that's generous of you. Um, so, neighbors and wise men. Excuse the gender specific of the title. I didn't want it. The publisher, I wanted to call it neighbors and magi. But, mm. um, so the the those two things are references to two things to Jesus about Jesus the Jesus story. One, when Jesus was asked, "Who's your neighbor?" He brought up uh, an immigrant, a foreigner. Um, who should have been his cultural enemy in the story of the Good Samaritan, who's your neighbor, neighbors. And then the Magi were these unbelievable, like Zoroastrians, stargazers from the East who wander into the Jesus story uh, after Christmas time. And Jesus in the story, you go if for a religious book to have these obvious foreigners, people who are not Jews, wander into the story and, and be so comfortable in the story and have all the characters go, Yeah, they're supposed to be people who are different than us in this story. We're so super comfortable and we like this part of the story. Um, it's just two weird things about the story of Jesus that I find really compelling. And so The book is about how people who are very different than me, who believe very different from me, have actually helped shape me as a person, as a spiritual person. So the book is just full of, you know, I was raised in a Christian tradition, but the book is full of stories of Muslims and Jews and atheists and drunks and uh, who have all just been super influential to me as a person helping me become more whole. And quite frankly, I would argue have taught me to be a better Christian, which is to a lot of religious people that, that might sound weird, but it's actually non-Christians that have taught me as much about how to be a Christian than a lot of church, churchiness. So that's what the book's about.
0: So when you wrote that book, you know, you, you have, um, you're very, uh, schooled, <laughs> you have a lot of degrees, <laughs> And <laughs> you like how I said that's schooled, you're schooled, you're learned, very like learned. Um, what? When you decided on this particular topic, was it something that had been sitting with you for a long time or that, you know, when, you know, as you were, okay, so it's interesting because when I, I actually picked up the book last night, because I just wanted to re- remember a few specific parts of it. And I, I believe the very, very, very first chapter, which I find so fascinating, is called Pilgrimage. Oh really? Yeah. It's the very first chapters titled Pilgrimage. Um, if I believe. Let me let me let me double. I have it right here actually. Let me check.
1: That's amazing because that that yeah. was way before I ever had heard of the Pilgrimage. No, I, know. I didn't know anything about it.
0: It it just it just struck me as being so interesting that here we are talking about. You know, pilgrimage every week, and your very first chapter in this book is called pilgrimage. So clearly, it was this indication of a journey that you had started this journey, and you started it, you know, all the way back in, yeah. you know, at at the beginning, of course. And then you, and then you take us through these stories, story after story, and that's it's really a collection of stories. It's yeah. not a how-to. It's just here right. are these people that I encountered. So, uh, if if I find it interesting that. I guess my question is, when you started the book, were you writing down the stories and then you realized, oh, there's this common theme? Or did you say, I have this common theme and I want to remember the stories that, yeah. that brought me here? Which which came first?
1: Yeah, that that was my first sort of mass production book that, you know, that I got paid real money for. And it, you know, it actually was like nationally distributed. And I never intended to write a book. Matter of fact, being a a dyslexic kid, I the the printed word has always been sort of scary to me. It's all it's always been sort of my enemy. So the idea of actually creating the printed word to me was was something I'd I'd never really considered. But I've, I had a lot of friends in the book world, and one of my friends was an agent. And one day, he and I were having coffee, and he just asked me. Um, what do you think? What's wrong with religious books right now in America? And I said, the problem with the religious books is we just keep writing the same books over and over and over again um, with the new cool language. You know, let's find the new cool vocabulary to say the same crap over and over again. And it's boring. And it's quite frankly, it's um, I think it's a poor representation of spirituality. And he was like, okay, well, then what's a new book? You know, he was sort of he, I think he took it a little personally or something, you know, what's a new book? You know, if you're such a smarty pants. And yeah. I said, I said, there's there's tons of topics we're not, we're not addressing. He said, Give me one. I said, okay, here's one. And I just was like, this is literally just here's one for you. How about how non-Christians should be the teacher of Christians? How about how non-Christians should actually be our teacher as well as as well as Christians? And, uh, and how, how people who come from other faiths might have as much, if not more to offer to Christians than Christianity does. How about that topic? Who, who's talking about that in, in the Christian world, in the religious world? And he was like, well, no, one's talking about that. I was like, well, I, I think you someone <laughs> should, I think someone should write that book. He goes, could you write that book? I was like, yeah, I can probably write that book. I don't know. He goes, do me a favor, go home and take 20 minutes. And scribble out an outline of how you think that book should look. And I literally went home. I scribbled out an outline, and that is how that book got got written. So wow, yeah, it's really dumb.
0: <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's actually it's
1: super dumb. And for people who try to write books, I'm I have so much compassion because my entry into writing books was so easy. I mean, it was that mm. dumb. And then that agent said, "Okay, I want to I want to represent you," and then he like basically just gave me a writing assignment to sort of write a really short proposal. And he didn't even tell me that he sent it to the publisher. He didn't even tell me he sent it to the publisher without my permission. And that publisher sent back a multi-book deal because they liked the book idea so much. So I have a stupid author story that
0: Hmm. isn't fair, but well, I wouldn't necessarily call it stupid. I would call it sort of magical.
1: I have a magical I have a magical writer story.
0: Yeah, just because you didn't have to face some of the crazy obstacles that a lot of people do doesn't mean it's stupid. It just means it's uncommon. Yeah. So there you go. But it's interesting to me because here we are, you know, talking about this idea of peacemaking with John. Yeah. And you've been doing you've been you've been in that arena for a long time in this idea of I'm just going to call it the other, the other. This, you know, engaging with the other, whatever that happens to look like. Now, in your book, right. it's Christians and it's everyone else, and in current times, it might be that. But it, it is. It, it, there's a variety. There's so many ways that we position ourselves that, you know, someone is the other, and so it, it intrigues me that you wrote a book that engaged in this on so many levels did you have you found that as you've continued you know you wrote that book and let's okay let's just pretend 2012 would you say if you you wrote a book now would you have that many stories to tell about engaging with the other yeah from from that point on do you continue to do that like can you can you think of go ahead
1: yeah i think that's indicative of my i mean not maybe not as good as stories. I mean, that, you know, I was drawn from 30 years of experiences, you know, at yeah. that point. And, you know, having lived in several other cultures and that cultures that are driven by other belief systems. So there was a lot to draw on, but I do think, I, I do think that we are really poorly. Um, I'll say as Americans, we're, we're poorly resourced to engage with a person who's different. And there's several, there's several pieces to that. One is, is the isolationism of America. We just, you know, it's an, it's an old joke that, you know, what do you call somebody who speaks two languages? They're bilingual. What do you call someone who speaks one language? They're an American. It's an old joke um, because we just, um, uh, we are so culturally linguistically and and as far as like paradigms of thinking, we're very isolated here in North America. And also we just have too much space in North America. We don't have to, we don't have to be on top of each other. Um, The percentage of the population that actually uses public transportation, even where they're forced to sit next to somebody totally different than them is much smaller here compared to like Europe or other, other places around the world. And then, um, and then we, we have this hyper-individualism, don't offend sort of culture in America. So we just haven't learned how to just sit and, and be different and be have a, have a tremendous curiosity about the other because it's in the curiosity that the friendship is found. We think it's in commonality. That friendship yeah. is found. And yet in diverse cultures, it's in curiosity where friendship is found. And we um we're just kind of poorly, poorly trained for that. And so we tend to silo ourselves amongst people just like us. You know, and uh Martin Luther King Jr. said that the most segregated hour in America is 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. He was referring to American religion. That American religion is hyper segregated, but American religion is just an example of American culture, and um, so anyway, uh, I, the so the idea of engaging the person who is different has become really kind of important to me. I think because I,
0: I when you when you were talking about this idea of um, like minded. I, I find that in in any type of group, usually when you're reaching out to meet someone new, it's based on something that you already have in common. I like right. to cycle. You like to cycle. We're of this same age group. We like X, Y, Z. And so it's already set up that when you're meeting someone new, you already have these commonalities in place, they may not be, um, you know, very deep rooted, but they're at least these, these things that we can look at the other person and say, you're like me, you're, you're similar enough to me that I feel comfortable with you. It's, it kind of this, it's this, um, I think being comfortable is rated very highly in the United States. I want to be comfortable. I want to be, um, not only in, in who I am, but the people around me so that I can sort of, sort of, um, always be in a space where I, I know what's going on and I'm not going to be confronted by something different. And so um I mean that's one of the things that I'm such a huge advocate of travel and students getting to travel because that is really the very first time that you get to experience not being in that comfort zone because yep. here we 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 completely cater everything to being in our comfort zone. Um it's interesting what you talk about being on the bus so but when I move just back really
1: quickly, from- Kari, to that yeah. point um, yeah. We talk about being everyday pilgrims, and some of that is not is not relying on privilege in order to have experiences. And, and while it's great to go to the other side of the world as a student and study for a semester or something, so many people don't have that opportunity. Or if, you, if you're in a nine to five job now, it's you know how, how am I going to find a chance to be an exchange right. or whatever? But there, you can go downtown in whatever your city is right now, and there are places to volunteer. There are there are communities to go get involved with that are very, very different economically, culturally from yourself that, I mean, uh, here in town, um, there's, what's that cafe that's down on? Like Fifth Street Sisters of the
0: Sisters of the Road. Yeah.
1: The Sisters um, of the actually, Road. Yeah. It's a cafe where you can just go volunteer and it's it's they provide free meals at but it's in it's a cafe style of providing meals as opposed to having to get in line. And it's it's I mean, that's a great opportunity to just sit and be with people. I'm just, I just wanted to jump in and go. There's that there are oh, yeah. opportunities. No, no, you you're
0: absolutely right. That You can find, you can find someone different. You can, you can definitely jump out of your comfort zone anywhere in the city. I mean, I literally walk out of my house and walk down to MLK one block away and I'm out of my comfort zone. Right. I, and honestly, to be, to be very, um, you know, to look at myself honestly and authentically, it's definitely feels more, um, it's, it's more exciting to think, oh, I'm going go to go, I'm going to go to Spain and spend a year in Spain and be in this different culture. But it is, that's, you're absolutely right. That's a privilege. That's a huge privilege to be able to do that. And um, when I can walk one block away. And so when I got back, I was going to say, when I got back from traveling, I didn't have a car and I bust everywhere. Yeah. And it was really, I, I got a chance to just, you know, right? like you said, we don't ever, you know, we go into a, into a place where there's chairs and we all sit one chair away from each other. You know, we create that little bubble. We don't actually sit next to each other and you can't do that on a bus. You are right next to that person and you are in their space. They're in your space. Um, you, you, you have this experience that, like you said, Americans, they try to stay away from. Most people do not want to take the bus. And so forcing myself to do that for a number of years gave me a very different perspective on people. I would end up having interesting conversations. I yeah. would have um, encounters. I would, I would be forced out of my comfort zone dramatically. Um, and it was good for me. <laughs> It was so good for me. Um, And one of the things about COVID is I I haven't really taken the bus during COVID. I feel like we've had to all shrink back in many ways. And that has been very sad. Um, Even though I I do think you, I agree with you. We've had this, there has, Portland does have this ability to have this friendliness, but, but we, we're all now, you know, walking across the street from each other. We all stay. um, And I wonder how, I wonder if that will, Change will it go back to being the way it was, or will we all still be in this sort of fearful space um, of mm. of of worrying about contact? Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next yeah. year.
1: Yeah, and another way that I hide from my neighbor, and again, I'm defining neighbor as the stranger, the traveler, the immigrant, the person who is different, the person who's supposed to be my cultural enemy, but they are not. Um, is is by having headphones in all the time. Oh uh, yeah. You know, when I'm out walking or I'm out in the city, I almost always have either music or an audio book or something. And I'm making it a habit. I'm trying to make it a habit that I I leave that I what I'm listening to, I leave it on if I'm like walking down in deserted streets or, you know, an unpopulated section. But as soon as I turn onto a populated street, I try and turn it off just in case. Just in case mm-hmm. there's a chance to engage somebody in a hi, how are you or whatever. Just or, and even pop the, pop the earbuds out as I walk just to show I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not that. Cause I think I, I've, I mean, I'm so terrible. I've used earbuds as a way to not talk to um, people who live outside.
0: Oh, you know, absolutely. They try to
1: engage me. And I'm like, Oh, I've got, oh, I've got my earbuds in I can't, I can't hear you. Right. You know, it's so it's terrible, but it's this, it's this cultural symbol. Don't bother me if i've got my earbuds yeah. in you know and um it's like a closed know, door yeah and i'm just i'm just trying to get past that and um so cuz i'm i mean yeah so let's talk about let's talk about how to how to be sort of a peacemaker in the world
0: i find it's it's interesting scott sometimes describes my superpower as being able to meet anyone anywhere um I think one of the things that I have chosen to do, and obviously harder in COVID, but uh, when I walk into a space, I immediately have this habit of scanning the person, the environment, what they're wearing, what they're doing, and finding something that I can encourage them with. Oh. So, so for example, if you know it's my barista and they have a cool scarf on, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I, I love that scarf. That's really cool. And they just like, you know, it just takes people, they stop for a second and they're like, and then you see them kind of accept it. And then, oh, you know, it's like this little balm. And it doesn't have to be um, how they look. It could just be, oh, I love that song you're playing. What is that? Just engaging with people, um, trying not to have things be a business transaction. Like any 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 moment can be um, a moment to connect with someone. And um, I definitely was better before COVID, but I'm—it's hard with the masks on. But I, I—that has been a pattern and a habit for me. And I don't know if that would necessarily be called peacemaking, but I feel I feel like if you can walk into a situation, and the first thing that you see is that this is a human being, rather than something else—a conservative or a liberal or a or a you know whatever label you want to throw on someone if you can just be like this is a person that probably has all this not probably absolutely has all the same stuff going on in their head and their heart and um having a moment where you can encourage them in their space to me is a very simple first step of peacemaking
1: that's great uh so here's something i don't think i've ever told you um, hmm. so I know I, I talk a lot from religious contexts, and so if anybody doesn't come from religious contexts in our community, I hope I'm not boring you. But um, in in the religious world, in the religious education world, there there are mandatory classes when you get a master's. There are mandatory classes about how to argue for your faith, like how to mm. how to prove, how to prove that your religious position is the best, is the only one. It's the only one and all others pale in comparison. Dun, and, dun, dun. and so, um, and I taught, I taught graduate school for a while and I was asked to teach one of these classes, one of these, you know, how to prove you're right in every situation you, and you wonder, you wonder why religion is perceived as, as being this divisive thing when we're teaching classes on how to prove you're right. And uh, so they asked me if I would teach this class. And I t- took a look at the, at the textbooks, you know, and they're like, chapter one, how to prove that God exists. Chapter two, how to prove that the other people are stupid. Chapter three. (laughs) Um, And I'm, I'm obviously joking. It's not, it's, you know, I'm, I'm having fun with it, but I, I, but I was looking at the topic matter. And I just said to them, okay, I'll teach this class, but I want to teach it very differently. And if you'll allow me to rewrite the curriculum, I'll teach this class. Did they let you? They did. They did let me. I um, had. Uh, I had a. I had a super- I'm
0: amazed, actually. I have a supervisor
1: who who watched very closely at what I did, but um, but I what I did was I had the students. There were about 40 of them who were actually all active ministers. Oh, in the class, um, I started them out by writing papers about how they struggle with doubt. In all of these different areas, how, when they really press below the, this is what I believe. And this is how I know I'm right. When they press below that, where, where, what are the things where even, you know, you're not necessarily standing on totally solid ground or you wonder, you just wonder. I went for a walk with a guy a week and a half ago. And we were discussing evil. And I was pointing out that if, if God is who you say God is, this all knowing being, and God is also the one who created the world and set this big story in motion, the story of the universe set it in motion, God must have known that, that evil was going to enter the story that pain and cancer and war and racism was going to enter this story and God chose to set it in motion anyway. And so on some level, God, isn't God complicit in evil or at least, you know, and he wouldn't even have the conversation with me. He just kept shutting me down. No, 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 no. There's no way. There's no way that, that God knew about it. And he was trying to create these magical formulas, how there's no way that God could know the future. And I was like, but you believe that God knows. Yes, I believe that God knows the future, but that future God couldn't know. Oh, no, 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 no. There's no way God can know that future. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? like? Why can't we at least talk about these things? You know, just why can't we at least name our struggles and our doubts? So anyway, I would make I would make the students write their doubts out because I think it's so important for us to have empathy with ourselves.
0: Mm.
1: Empathy with our own positions on politics and culture and faith that we have to have we have to allow we have to nurture ourselves and allow ourselves to to be imperfect to allow ourselves to not have it all figured out it's okay to just be reasonably suspicious of what you believe about politics or culture or faith just reasonably suspicious is a wonderful position to be in Why do you have to be absolutely sure at all times like that's that feels like almost an abusiveness to yourself to your own soul to walk out. It's okay that I'm just reasonably suspicious that, you know, whatever that this particular political policy is, is the best, maybe it's not the best maybe maybe I do need to listen to a more moderate position or a more extreme position, or the other side's position, you know, there might be something there for me, but if but I can only do that if I'm gentle with myself. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. And the idea that um, I, I think, you know, growing up in the, in that sort of thinking of things being, having the right way and then sharing the right way and just all the things that you just said, it really prohibits this idea that we can change and change is, is transformation, it's growth. Yeah. Yeah. And so this idea that we have to make a decision. And then, you know, so for example, if you make a decision about faith when you're 15 years old, and then you're supposed to hold tight to that for the rest of your life, never growing, never changing, never having never any going input. on
1: faith pilgrimage.
0: Exactly. Like to me, that's that's crazy. I mean, it's it's not it's crazy in the sense that that everything else in the world we think about growing and transformation and change is this good thing. And um, and so much about, for example, about faith, at least from, from that the Christian background that I grew up in is, no, there is no changing. You make a decision and this is it. So this idea that we could change feels very scary to a lot of people. And I think the idea that we, um, <laughs> like the three words that I learned to say for me that were the most powerful, as I started to kind of actually, probably, I probably didn't really say these with full conviction until I was in my 40s. Was I don't know, I don't right. know, right? And and to be able to say that with freedom, and right. then say, tell me about your your thoughts about this. I'm not sure. I think this, but I'm not, I don't know, right? And and opening up that conversation. I mean, just to say that is is so. Um, it kind of is. It's this open-handed gesture. Right. And allowing the other person to step in and share, um, at the same time, you know, you're not necessarily. Um, it's just like, it, you know, like I said, you said that the earphones earlier are a closed door. This is an open door. Like this is an invitation. It's an invitation.
1: And, and then if I, I take the time to to name that I don't know, and the ways I don't know, and the ways I still have questions, and and where I'm only. Reasonably suspicious as opposed to absolutely sure, you know, then I, then I, when I walk into a conversation about politics or culture or faith, as I walk into that conversation with the other, the person who's very different, you know, my crazy uncle, my mother-in-law, my, my neighbor down the street, the person whose skin color is different than mine, you know, as, as I engage them in these conversations, I can lead out on whatever the topic is and go, oh, you don't, so this is what I think on this topic, blah, 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 blah. but here's, here's the weakest part. Here's the weakest part of my argument. Here's the weakest part of this position, this political position. I think that this is where it really, we haven't figured it out yet. And then I lead with where my position is weak and the other person suddenly, well, then they can lead where their position is weak. And suddenly we're having a conversation about the Venn diagram. Of ideas, as opposed to the separate, you know, a separatist view of ideas. As we lead out with, let's let's start with our weaknesses, as opposed to start with, I'm absolutely right and you're totally wrong. Go to the other side of the room. You know, it's like it's it's freaking frustrating.
0: Do you uh, does that voice come on when you're trying to be right? (laughs) (laughs) That's my I'm trying
1: to be right voice. This is my old my old timey radio voice. I don't know.
0: It's also a little bit English. I hear a little bit of a British a British in that as well. well
1: <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I'm not i not I
0: feel like if I could speak with a British accent, I would just sound more right all the time. Don't you think?
1: <laughs> There's some truth to that. There is some truth. To that. That's that's <laughs> why narrators tend to be <laughs> tend to be British. Oh, okay. I just assume they're right.
0: Yeah, you're yeah. like oh they're learned. A I'm assuming to be learned. Learned. But it, it I mean, I get just saying that, imagining that like that everyone would enter a conversation or a, a dialogue and present the weakest part of their argument. Can you imagine? It, it It's mind-blowing, right? Because we're always taught to come in, you know, hiding the, hiding the weakness and showing the strength. And I mean, okay, so all the things that people talk about when it comes to vulnerability, right, is the idea of, you know, Brene Brown, imperfection, vulnerability, being imperfect, showing your imperfection, yeah. Yeah. being... Showing where you're weak is where we tie together. It's where people actually find strength and in, in in you know it's that whole strength and weakness. If I yeah. if I lay down my story and I share it with you and I show you how vulnerable I am, yeah, that's what brings people together. It's not strength; it's the weakness, right? And so yeah. it's this irony that every time we come into a conversation, that we bring you know we bring our strength to the table, trying to connect with people, which really, whether it's strength about a position or look at how amazing I'm doing in my life. (laughs) Right. You know, it's, 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 and we're taught as Americans that when someone says, how's, how's it going, Tony, that you immediately want to kind of, you know, shuffle through and find the strength, and the high points what's going on. Well, I, I did this really cool thing, or I had this amazing raise, or I met this cool person. You don't, it's it's pretty rare unless with the closest people, those people that are, you know, your very closest friends, where you you really are honest and say, I'm having a shitty day, I'm having a mm-hmm. shitty week. Mm-hmm. And to be and that's where it opens up real, real connection. And so there's this there's this thing going on where we're we're armed with all the wrong tools for connection when it comes to when it comes to how we've been taught and and um and to, to really to engage.
1: I mean, yeah. odds are that they're not as great as they're playing it out, also. And so I I read this, I read this article 15, 20 years ago. And uh it was by a sociologist who'd done all this research and whatever. And they said, and this sounds a little extreme to me. Maybe they're trying to, you know, sell books or something, but they said that in order to get someone to to tell you what they really feel about a topic, what they they with not just how they present on the topic, but what they really think behind how they really think and feel behind how they present themselves. You have to reload the question five times before they'll tell you the truth. So the easiest example is, how are you? Meet somebody uh, at work in the foyer of the church at a cafe. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm great. And then this article went on to say that there are are several ways to reload a question. You know, the easiest ways are just like, you know, tell me more, or, or are you know, there's a bunch of bad ways to do it. But um, but I find that the best thing is is just to let just be just be quiet, or just nod, or just uh huh, huh. You know, how are you? I'm fine. Uh huh. And then just wait for them to, to start talking again and when they get done talking that time go really and then let them talk a little bit more and uh, according to this person it takes five times they have to speak five times before they really share their heart and inevitably in that fourth or fifth or whatever i don't think it's an exact number obviously but you, then they're suddenly gonna go but you know what there's there's this area of my life where that that, that right now i'm i'm I just can't stop thinking about it that I'm really struggling with. And that's also true about belief systems, be it politics, culture, or faith. Um, People, we've been trained to lead, to present very strongly. Whatever our position is, and the other person wants to present strongly too, because they've been trained. So we've been talking so far about how do I tap into my own weakness and doubt and and be willing be willing to expose that more easily, but the other person is also wants to, they also want to expose, they also want to be true, but that they've they've been trained not to, they've been trained to be afraid, they've been trained that that people are not trustworthy, they've been trained that they're only valuable if they win, they're only valuable if 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 they are right. And, um, and so also as a walking on the world, as a, as a peacemaker that I'm providing, I'm, I'm hoping to foster a space, a non anxious space where the other person can break through their own addictions of presenting for, for, for self-protection and that we would all be um, Accessible, a safe
0: haven. Yeah, like a a safe haven for people. Yeah, to be able to be that,
1: and start to heal one another.
0: It is. It's such a um, such a a contrast to what, what we see in social media. What we, how we present ourselves. How we have to have. You know, everyone has this. I was just noticing the other day how so many people it kind of started on Instagram, but now I find it when people email that they'll have their name and then they list out all the things that they are. Um, so if it's me, I'm a illustrator, traveler, tiny house lover, blah, 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 blah. Like I'm listening. Most the
1: dazzling things. human being on the planet, <laughs> p- <laughs> borderline. <a> demigod.
0: Amazing. <laughs> and it, And on one, on one sense, it serves a purpose that people, again, it's this sort of list of like, oh, I connect with them. I also love tiny houses so we can talk. But on this other, in this other sense, what we're talking about, I feel like it, it almost alienates people in the sense that if we just, we can start out sort of without listing all these great things about us or what we perceive as the great things about us, that if we come sort of in a simpler fashion, of just, I'm just Kari. I don't, you don't have to prove to me how amazing you are. And I don't have to prove to you how amazing I am. Like it's it's this idea that we can come to the table knowing that for the most part, you know, it used to be, that, so I'm totally gonna date myself now, but we, we used to call it the Christmas letter syndrome. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, so before Facebook, before we were all connected on social media, I would write a Christmas letter and I got this from my mom where, you know, you would write this letter at the end of the year and you would detail, it was like your summary of your year. Right. And you'd send out the Christmas letter and you didn't talk about, you know, how you were struggling in the Christmas letter. You talked about how amazing your life was and all of your high points and who was doing what in the family. And, it was it was always um, this sort of celebration of how amazing you are. And 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 I think people did this all, you know, up all up until Facebook. Some people still do, like my mom just sent her, she's like, I think I'm not gonna do the Christmas letter anymore, because <laughs> no one's no one reads letters anymore. But it's this idea that transferred over into social media. And so I feel like we have been trained to kind of be an embodiment of that. Like here, here's all this good stuff about me. But if we could just simplify that and be knowing that we're all, we're all not necessarily hiding, but we're not talking about all the things that we're struggling with. And especially, I mean, right now, I think it's been, I think people are realizing that a lot more because people are starting to talk more about their struggles in COVID because it's not just me. We know it's worldwide. We know everyone is dealing with isolation. Everyone is dealing with um, feeling hopeless and, 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 it, in, in a weird way, it is this, it is this tie that binds us all. And so yep. there's, there is this like level of, we all are on that same level right now. And it, and it sort of lets, it kind of goes, it goes back to being a pilgrim, Tony. It goes back to the fact that we're yep. all the same,
1: yep. you
0: know, and we're all moving in the same direction. We all want hope. We all want good things. We want to things to be restored. And, um, and it, it brings this equality to all of us. And if we can walk into a conversation with that different person, that other person, knowing of that, you know, reminding ourselves of that common tie, I think that's where it starts.
1: Yeah. And you know, just before we wrap up, I just want to um, clarify that we're not talking about a woe is me lifestyle where I walk around just dumping my crap on every person I come into contact with. That's not what we're talking about. It's the, Mm -hmm. it's really the freedom to be whole, to embrace your whole self, to not have to just present this, um, this sparkly, you know, fake princess version of yourself out in the world, but that your whole self can be brought in and that, And that your value as a human being is not in being right and winning all the time. That's not, that's actually not what makes us humans. What makes us humans is is our ability to connect with one another, to, to see the lines that separate us kind of disappear and, and enter into that fuzzy space in between the two people where uh they they connect and and they they feel one another's emotions. The very definition of empathy is what you feel I feel, what 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 I feel you feel, you know, that we that we sort of enter into where our biorhythms come into sync with one another as we talk and we allow each other to be that. And that's really that's what we're talking about. This is not Know, be depressed and enjoy it. That's not, <laughs> not the discussion. So anyway, Car, thank you. Good. This has been super encouraging.
0: Yeah, I agree. And um I uh I look forward to you know I, I would love it if if any of our community out there has a story of, of an encounter with someone that you just um, felt like was really connective, or revealed something, or gave you an epiphany. I'd love to hear it. Please, please uh, write us and let us know about any of those, those experiences you've had, because we'd love to hear stories from our community. They really encourage us, and I think they encourage uh, everyone uh, in program loss. So. All
1: right, everyone, be healthy, be safe, uh, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for getting lost with us. Thanks, you guys. Thank you for
0: walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.